Welcome to Millennials at the Movies. I'm Amy. And I'm Novi. And today's movie is First Wives Club. According to IMDb, reunited by the death of a college friend, three divorced women seek revenge on the husbands who left them for younger women. It's streaming on Netflix, Prime Video, Hoopla, Tubi, and Fubo. So no <laughs> excuses. You need to watch it. Um, Ron Tomato scores. Ooh. Critics gave it 50. And the audience gave it 68. Hmm. I'm going to start off by saying that I have watched this movie a million times. And at least half of those times were with my mom and my sister growing up. Um, so I have... I think I'm biased. <laughs> and I think it's funny because I'm, I've rewatched it like I hadn't seen it in a really long time. So... I mean, obviously, it is a strength and sisterhood, all about girl power type movie. And I love Goldie Hawn. <laughs> so I think I love it. I would have loved it no matter what, because she's in it. And I had never actually seen this movie before. Which is really surprising, but also it's so surprising. Um, yeah, this movie did such a good job of showing us women I think at least who have always thought of life to be one way and not that all of their views on life were the same but they always were like this is what my life is and this is how it's gonna be and then eventually all of that just falls apart and then they're just like what do I do now and I love that none of the three main women had the same type of life um Elise was an actress who was getting too old in Hollywood. Brenda, played by Bette Midler, was the Jewish woman who had everything she thought she wanted anyway, um, with her husband and her son and his bar mitzvah coming up and all of that. And then Annie, played by Diane Keaton, played so wonderfully, by the way, by Diane Keaton, um, was like, oh, I don't know how to say it without insulting her was the biggest pussy in the entire universe. Is that insulting? <laughs> oh, um, I'm a little insulted. Because of course you are. <laughs> I related to Annie so much, and I think that's why she was my least favorite, because there's something in it where it's just like, I hate that trait in myself, mm -hmm. where if something does something completely unforgivable to me, I'm the first to make excuses to them. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for women to get mad when somebody actually does something against them. Well, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And I hated her because of it, but I didn't hate her. I hated me. Oh, what's it's so funny because I know such a different side of you. I mean, I know that about you, but also I know such a different side of you, too. So I don't I wouldn't have compared you to Annie in most ways. But I also see. Yeah. I'm. I. That's interesting now because it's making me wonder who I relate to most. Um, I feel like a combination of Elise and Brenda. <laughs> Definitely not Annie. But uh, Elise is Cameron Diaz in 2007. I could see that absolutely being a character she would have played ten years later. Yeah. Well, they were, I don't know whatever ended up happening with it. Maybe I should have researched for this, but oh well. Um, I didn't really look into it, but I know that they said that they were going to do either a remake of it or like a TV show version of it or something like that. And yeah, they I could buy Cameron Diaz. I believe it's on oh, BET. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I think it's starring Jill Scott. Hmm. Well, I... See where, um, I, I agree with you that Cameron Diaz could have done a good job with the role. But Goldie Hawn was, uh, it was when she gets her lips done for obviously like the hundredth time. Um, it's so great because she goes up and she, uh, to the newsstand and she <laughs> she's like trying to smile at the guy and she can't even smile. And it was so good. Well, she did a great job working the lip injections into every scene very subtly. Mm. But I think it's really funny that they spent half of the movie trying to pretend that Goldie Hawn isn't, like, drop-dead-ass beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's because it's, um, I don't remember what she exactly says, but she says that in Hollywood, women only have three ages, right? They're either the babe or like the lawyer type. I don't remember what she saw, says, it's not lawyer, but something along those lines or like the old woman, basically. And it's like that weird place where she's so gorgeous and she looks so young, but also in Hollywood, by Hollywood's terms, she's supposed to be like too old to be the hot girl. I feel like Goldie Hawn will always be the hot girl for most people, or a lot of people anyway. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, the husbands were also so, so different. Not that we've talked thoroughly enough, I don't think yet, about the three main women, but I, I hated them so much. <laughs> and it was so good because they were like, okay, with one exception, but they were such... Like, the worst of assholes. It wasn't just, I'm cheating on you. It wasn't just, I don't love you anymore and I'm leaving you. It wasn't just, I used you for everything and now I have no use for you anymore. It was all of those things, pretty much, with all three of them. And I had never seen Victor Garber play anything but, like, a stately, regal gentleman. So to see him as Elise's sleazy husband was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. They were, yeah, The I think all of the actors did a really, really good job in this movie. Um, but yeah, they were, like, it, it was like taking one bad quality in a person and then another bad quality in another person and another in another and then, like, putting them all into one person and then going, let's do that for all three husbands. I'm like, okay, this works. I can really hate all three of them, pretty much. They At did least a I great would. job playing it. Yeah, they did. I'm going to say already, there was one exception to the husband's thing, and it was Mort. And I do think Mort was having a midlife crisis of some sort, because that man was not happy at any point throughout the entire movie, except for the end. Not to jump too ahead, but except at the end, he was never happy. Yeah, and I really believed that their marriage was the one that could have been worked out if any of them could have been. Yeah. Although a lot of couples therapy, maybe, because, (laughs) you know, she blackmailed him and threatened him with a job, and he definitely had sex with a younger woman. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, They might have been the kinds of people who are just like, okay, I fucked up, you fucked up, forgive and forget, move on. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. For their child. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I want them to be able to be together because of their son. I think Jason is his name. He so wanted his parents to, like, fall back in love with one another. And he deserves that. And I do want to talk a little more about the husbands, but later. Ooh, interesting. I want to start at the beginning. Okay. With their friend Cynthia. Yes. We don't see a whole lot of her. But Stockard Channing is such an emotive actress that in her two minutes, I really felt that character's pain. Yeah. Can you imagine watching this as like, I don't even know when, like how old I was when I watched it, but it killed me even at a really young age when I did watch this movie initially. Because I was just like, oh my gosh, can you imagine being so heartbroken and so sad that you just take your own life? And that was such a moving scene for me and like you said we don't even get to know this character but in in those five minutes you're just like oh no why do I feel so much (laughs) and part of it is because Stalker Channing is so great because if it had been another actress I could see really like oh poor me yeah but I watch a lot of true crime and if a rich woman kills herself and they find pieces of that rich woman's most treasured jewelry with the housekeeper, they probably think the maid murdered her. <laughs> that maid was so sweet, too. But yeah, you're right. That Hopefully woman they probably blame her. took that to her fucking grave. Like, oh, no, I could have done something. She was obviously upset. I didn't Perfect. know. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's not the job of the maid to like save the person but yeah I can't imagine I'm glad we don't get to see that poor woman again because I hadn't thought about it but you're right she probably felt so awful about it but yeah I also really like that she did it in her fur coat 
and high heels. Like that she like jumped off the building with that. It she didn't it wasn't just like, well, I'm gonna die anyway, so why am I gonna wear a fur coat even if it's cold out? You know? It was just like, Nope, I'm going out in style. I feel I feel like that was who she was. Yeah. I really love when she's stepping out onto the balcony and she's got her drink and her cigarette and she looks into the apartment across the street from her and the like young blonde girl is working out on the exercise bike and she like waves all happily at her and she like raises her drink and smiles at the woman and then like takes a puff of her cigarette and it's she does it very very much like yeah good for you exercising I'm gonna fucking kill myself you know what I mean and I just loved seeing that personality trait I think because I feel like the little gestures like that helped me understand who Cynthia even was because we don't ever get to know her well and I did not know anything about what this movie was actually about Mm. and when she looked at that woman in the window I thought for sure like that woman's husband is fucking that woman. Ooh. That would have been interesting. Yeah, and, and I didn't know that's what the movie was about, but I'm assuming that that's happened. Yeah, probably. I never see the things you don't notice, and then you talk to somebody else about a movie, and you're like, huh, that changes everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, But I do like, by the way, that even though we don't really get to know Cynthia, and then this whole movie is kind of about her and her friends, I didn't feel like the movie suffered in any way, even though we didn't get to know her. You know what I mean? I think we got to know as much about her as we needed to know Mm -hmm. in the short time that she was there. Yeah. Though I wish we would have had a whole movie of Stockard Channing just burning the shit down. (laughs) Maybe somebody should make that just what ha- what would happen if she didn't kill herself and she did this instead and then oh then nothing would have happened at all because they only did everything because she killed herself. Well yeah, but it would have just been her movie. We wouldn't have to even see the other three. Oh, better. <laughs> oh, ouch. Well, <laughs> I uh, I did not like the friendship between the three of them it never felt like they were actually friends until the last maybe 10 minutes and the entire rest of the time the chemistry was so off and these are great actresses so I don't know if it was the script or just the personal chemistry between them wasn't gelling Mm. but I never believed they were friends I believed that they were doing a thing together you know what I believed Annie and Brenda were friends but I never believed that either of them were friends with with Elise Yeah, I think Elise was too far gone in her alcoholism and her what she considered failing career to have a relationship with anybody. Um, I believed it as soon as she showed up at Brenda's doorstep and was like, I don't want to end up like uh, Cynthia. I think that was the change for her. And from that point on, I did believe that they did have a friendship and that she was there for all of them and also obviously for herself. Um, before we go any further into the movie, I want to say that I loved that they did the thing when they were when they were at the restaurant when they first saw each other again after the funeral, and they're ordering drinks, and their drink orders are exactly who they are, because uh, Annie orders a Virgin Mary, Brenda orders a Bloody Mary, and Elise orders vodka on the rocks. That's them. If I ever had to describe them as characters to anybody, like these three people, this is who they are it would be those drinks. <laughs> it would. Uh, um, yeah. No, you go ahead. I was going to talk about uh, Annie's daughter, Chris. She, I thought she was hilarious. And I do love that they had, I can't remember Annie's mom's name, but Annie's mom and then Annie and then Chris, these three generations of women And Annie and her mom were very similar. And then her daughter was so different from her. She was such the opposite of her, basically. Tough, badass, wouldn't take shit from anybody. Um, And I just, I loved that they added her. Because I, I mean, obviously she was useful, too, in their plans of, because she was like a spy at the ad agency that her dad worked at. But I just think she added also a little backbone 
for Annie. She was the person that was pushing her. Like, no. And I love that she said, that man, you were with that man, weren't you? It's like, well, he is your father. I'm like, oh, it's so great. Yeah, she was one of the most interesting characters in the movie. Mm -hmm. One of the most likable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was a very different dynamic because while... Brenda was always trying to speak nicely of Mort because they had a son mm. and she didn't want her son to think badly of his father. It was Chris that was just like, no, you're with that man. I don't like that man. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, I love him. Yeah. I also do think that Brenda was mad at Mort, but I I think she even said, I don't want to see him hurt, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just want him, like, I want him to get his heart broken so that... I think, in my anyway, like, he sees what he put me through, and also he wakes up and realizes this young 12-year-old, as Brenda calls her, is not actually interested in you. Like, what kind of an idiot do you think you are, you old man? Like, clearly, she's with you for your money, and I think that's what she wanted was a wake-up call for him. I don't think Brenda actually hated Mort at any point. She was mad at him. She hated what he did, but... I don't think she hated him like the other two hated their husbands. Well, and obviously, Bette Midler is an over-actress. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not insulting it. That's what she does. She does it very well. Uh-huh. But still, the scene where they break in trying to find dirt on Mort, and uh-huh. she's in their room, and she just starts crying on the bed. On the bed, is, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a very emotionally powerful moment if it had been done by Stalker Channing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer the way that it was done, though, because I didn't ever throughout the movie want it to be dramatic. I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to be, like, overdone, like multiple of them did in multiple scenes, because there's also the scene where they're, like, they have to climb off of the balcony, uh, off of Mort's um, studio or I mean not studio loft or whatever into the like window washers thingy and um, the way that Annie reacts when they look down and she just screams in terror I think that was dramatic too because as speaking as somebody who is terrified of heights that's not the reaction a normal person would have especially when they're trying to sneak out of somebody's fucking house you know like you're not just gonna yell yes you'd step back and say no I'm not fucking doing this but you wouldn't scream like that oh you wouldn't yeah but I, I loved that because it was more of a comedy that way I didn't want it to be a drama if it was I never would have liked it I never would have wanted to go back and watch it again the hundred million times I watched it <laughs> Well, speaking of comedies, you remember Adam Sandler's Anger Management, right? Yes, though I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie, but I do remember it. This movie felt like Annie's Anger Management. With Ah. the therapist that's (laughs) sleeping with her husband and trying to tell her it's okay to be angry and she just won't get it. And then in the end, the entire resolution for her is that she's allowed to be fucking pissed when you piss her off and yep. you can't take that from her. Yep. And it's like, it's anger management, but for women. <laughs> and it makes way more sense this way because she earned that anger. Yep. And the therapist was awful. She was so awful. I, I think my favorite scene having to do with the therapist was before we knew that she was fucking Annie's husband and she tells Annie to hit her and she like makes fun of her for hitting her so gently with that soft bat thingy <laughs> and then she she gets just like beat up by it and I love that so much because later on when Annie finds out I'm like take out the fucking bat again bitch take it out now let's see what you would think if she had the bat in her hand now. <laughs> Okay, you had the benefit of watching this when you were a child, so maybe it's a different experience, but Uh, you say, oh, before we knew he was sleeping with a therapist, it's like, oh, you mean before the therapist appeared in her miniskirt? Because the second (laughs) they closed up on her thigh, I knew he was sleeping with a therapist, and he wasn't even there. Yeah, I didn't know it watching it as a kid, but then, yeah, obviously, as I get older and, like, rewatched it, I was like, oh, shit, I should have known that so much earlier. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, I've seen Kimmy Schmidt. He's always sleeping with the therapist. <laughs> Great show. Um, yeah, there were, I think, except for the therapist, 
the other two women that were screwing the husbands of these women were the kinds of people, one more so than the other one, that you just cannot hate. Because Shelley, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, and I think probably my favorite role that she has ever played, um, she's awful. She's like the worst person in the world. I, I, you're not supposed to like her. There's nothing about her you're supposed to like. But I cannot hate her. No matter how many times I watch this movie, I cannot hate her. Like when she sees uh, Brenda at the store, when she comes out of the fitting room and she's trying to tell Mort she wants to buy all of the clothes, um, she sees her and she like holds the clothing in front of her face and says, oh my gosh, make it disappear or whatever. And it's so good. It's so awful. It's like, you're a horrible bitch. But she, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the way she played it. I just really couldn't hate her. Well, I think she and Ganilla, played by Dame Maggie Smith, had the uh. best chemistry of any two characters in the whole movie. Mm, interesting. The, any scene that the two of them had together mm. with Sarah Jessica Parker's ditzy, like, rich girl, mean girl shtick uh. and Dame Maggie Smith's just dry sarcasm where you can never tell if she's being sarcastic or just speaking. Yeah. Really played well together. And those were some of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. The thing with the fork was so good. It was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to get this out of the way now. She, Dame Maggie Smith, is one of my favorite people in the entire universe. I don't even know why. I haven't seen her in many things, but I love her. And nobody can say anything bad about her, and I would believe them. She's she's the perfect woman. I love her. Um, but yeah, I think... I think Shelly was funny enough to make me not hate her. And then Phoebe, who is going to play Monique, um, is so ditzy and so excited and so cute. And I personally am not a fan of Elizabeth Berkley. I've never liked her in anything. Like, I, she, um, Jessie, I think was the name of uh, the character she played in Saved by the Bell, right? That was Jessie. Okay. I hated Jessie. Um, and then oh, she's been in some stuff that I've tried to watch and I just hate it. And so I'm just, I just always have not liked Elizabeth Berkley, not as a person, but as an actress. And then this role is so freaking cute. I'm like, okay, I like Elizabeth Berkley in this. If she would just play this role all the time, I would watch everything she ever did. I liked her in this too. And I mean, Jessie was my favorite on Saved by the Bell when I was young and stupid. Of course. Um, because I had a crush on Mario <laughs> Lopez and I've been dating on the show for a long time. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but, same here, Mark Paul Gossler, so it made sense. <laughs> um, Phoebe was 16 in dog years, though. <laughs> like, she was so cute, and I loved her, like, ditzy, perky. It was like Jessie from Saved by the Bell during the pageant, where she's like, I'm a butterfly, but the entire <laughs> yeah. movie. Yep. But I'll talk about her... And Elise's husband's little tryst and how he was eventually brought down now. Okay. They couldn't find anything he was doing that was illegal. And they were trying to get revenge on him for essentially breaking up with Elise and trying to take all of her money. Mm. And that is not a nice thing. I'll say that now. It's a bad thing. Don't do that. Yeah. But... <sighs> At least Brenda and Annie's husbands were foiled by situations that they knowingly caused. Mm. To see him lose because a supposedly teenaged girl who looked 25 catfished him was kind of an unsatisfying end. He didn't know. He didn't do the bad thing. Right. I mean, legally he did because she was underage, but it's not his fault that he was lied to. And for that to be what he got caught on was unsatisfying. Yeah, I wish they had given some other horrible thing to him because I hated him. He did not deserve to win in the end. But yeah, it wasn't like it was his fault. Yeah, and if he had known she was 16, that would have mm. been different. And it mm. would have felt satisfying that he lost. Yeah. But now it just feels like he kind of got caught in a technicality because he was lied to by someone. And yeah. It feels like the end of Liar Liar, where the guy loses half of his money because the woman lied to him about her age. Yeah. Except this time he loses all of his money because the woman lied to him about her age. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the ending of this movie, and I don't mean the very final scene. I'll talk about that later. I felt like the ending of the movie was a little too cheesy for my liking. I feel like I'm always going to be saying this. Every time there's a happy ending in anything, I'm like, ugh, I wish they hadn't ended it that way. But, like, everything works out so well, you know, for all of them. And as much as I loved that Mort and uh, Brenda got back together, it was all just, like, too... Ugh. <laughs> you know? Like, and then them starting the foundation or, I mean, the organization, whatever it was, in Cynthia's name... It was thoughtful, and in the real world, I would have been like, oh, that's really sweet. But in the end of the movie, I was just like, okay. <laughs> that's not, like, what they went into it for, I don't think. Like, that wasn't their big plan until later. And by then, I just didn't care as much because I was so wrapped up in the, yes, you guys are being, like, bad bitches kind of a thing, you know? And I guess I just didn't need that ending. Well. <laughs> They were being bad bitches, but every move they made was still about these men. Every single thing they did was about the men. And then it was kind of too little too late when they opened the shelter. But it was also like, oh, poor little rich girls. Because yeah. like, oh, we opened a domestic violence shelter. It's like you know nothing about domestic violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do think that... Um, I think Brenda's story was the most... Um, I guess touching or whatever for me because she didn't have anything her husband left her for a younger woman and he got all this money and all this shit and she had been with him the whole time through his career and she got left with nothing and she was like living in a shitty little apartment with her son you know and like it just felt like the most actual tough times you're going through some shit right now kind of storylines of all three of them. Because even Annie, like, I mean, it was shit, but, like, she she would, she could have been okay, and she had money, so she was clearly going to be okay, you know? And, like, at least her career was not over. It was just because she didn't want to let go of her youth. That was it. It wasn't like they weren't casting her anymore. It's just they weren't casting her as the, like, like uh, what do you call it, the hot girl in a movie anymore. And so... I get that that's tough. I'm just saying I thought Brenda's storyline was the toughest. Well, and I think the most difficult thing is it's kind of more relatable that Brenda's storyline is what it is. He had a midlife crisis. A younger woman seemed interested in him. And Brenda used to be overweight or, and then she just felt, insecure about the skinnier younger woman yeah and then they got back together yeah and I didn't blame him for that I blame him for it but it's a real thing that happens to people I'll say yeah yeah um I will also say that I don't know the situation with the Leafs and her husband Mm -hmm. because we're led to believe that he is leaving her because she's too old was she an alcoholic when he decided to leave her? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Um, they Neither of them were good to each other or for each other. Um, also, it's super illegal to take assets that are communal property and sell them to your best friend for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, really illegal. Well, so. it, it's also not... Like, I think... I get what you're saying, but I, I I think we're also agreeing on this, actually. But I don't think they were good for each other. I don't blame one of them more than the other, especially because of what you, like what you said. I didn't think about it if Elise was in an alcoholic before they broke up or if it started after. And he just he was just like such a sleazeball though because it's like she did all this for you she bought you all these gifts and did all these things for you and you're like no yeah sell them all and then we'll just divide them between the two of us like no you don't fucking own them though like she did these things for you yes but it was her money so if you're divorcing her already that's enough that should be enough you shouldn't have to then be like I'm also going to take everything from you like you're divorcing her and Because he was the person who, like, 
hired people on for movies or something, right? I don't even remember what he did, actually. But he had something to do eventually with her career. And it's like, okay, you're already taking these things from her. Do you really have to take everything? You have money. It's not like you don't have money. It's not like you're going to be broke if you don't make her sell all these things and split them with you, you know? Ask Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh, I don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Um, But yeah, my point is, is like, I don't think they were good for each other. And I don't like that either of them were being assholes to the other. Yeah, neither of them were right. They were both very wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the worst husband was Annie's husband. I agree. And it it might be clouding my judgment because the actor Stephen Collins is literally a horrible person in life. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, Keep your daughters away. Let's oh, say that, especially no. if they're under 18. Oh, boy. Seventh heaven. <laughs> but. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> whereas Mort is literally just trying to move on with a younger woman, and he is not actively going out of his way mm. to engage Brenda in any way. Mm-hmm. And Elise and her husband are both being absolutely horrible to each other at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Annie is really trying to reconcile and he is leading her on so hard going to couples counseling air quotes couples counseling (laughs) um taking her dancing sleeping with her her on that rope and that's worse than any of the rest of it because while Elise's husband is a douche she's also a douche yeah and Mort's just trying to live his life but separately over there yeah and he is ruining her life and they have a kid together which makes it worse and i was gonna say more is at least being a good dad to jason because like they go to like a baseball game i think together and um he, he's like he wants to spend time with his dad so obviously he's being a good dad still like it doesn't matter if they're getting a divorce and while aaron does let um their daughter chris come on and like to the ad agency and get like a what do you call it? I don't remember. She he like basically lets her work there, an internship, right? <laughs> um, and he and he does allow that, and so like that's cool and all. But like he makes her explain why, and he's like looking at her. And now that you said that about the actor, I hope that the person who played Chris was not underage. But he's looking at her very oddly in that scene. In that like sleazy ha I got you too way because he seems so full of himself in that scene where she's just like oh daddy please can I come and work you know and blah 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 all this stuff and he's just looking at her almost like see Annie can't even have you I'm gonna take you from her too yeah and he's suspicious enough because I think he knows she doesn't like him yeah but not suspicious enough to be smart enough to say no Mm -hmm. Because he underestimates that Annie could possibly do anything. Well, to be fair, can't really say that anybody would have expected that from her. I mean, we would have watching the movie, but yeah, she, I think she had the best growth through the whole movie, though, of at least of the three main um, women. She did. And the whole thing between Brenda and Mort was really hard though because especially at the bar mitzvah it's such a relatable thing to get divorced and have a kid together and be like oh my husband my ex-husband who I love just brought his new girlfriend yeah four sons bar mitzvah yay (laughs) yeah Uh, I love by the way I think his name is uh Uncle Carmichael Brenda's uncle when they're like walking out of the church after the bar mitzvah and he says something like you know I I would off him like I'd happily kill him for you you just say the word (laughs) I love that man (laughs) I don't know who he is but I love that man (laughs) it was very sweet yeah it's very sweet that he threatened to like and very believably that he would have killed Mark (laughs) you know mafia stereotypes but in a funny way yeah, that's always. Um, I I don't know how I know him, but the actor, I didn't look up his name, but the actor who plays Duarto, 
the interior designer guy, I know I know him from things and I don't know what I know him from, but I thought it was really funny seeing him play this role because I think what I've probably seen him in in the past has been so very different from this role, but I still have no idea what I've seen him in in the past. Yeah, I didn't think I recognized him, but maybe I do and just didn't hear. Yeah, I... I, I don't know if I've ever thought of that before, but, like, this time, because I was play, paying closer attention to everything, maybe, I was just like, I know this man. I think he's played very, very opposite roles in the past from what he's playing here. So it was extra funny seeing him do this, like, dramatic, horrible interior designer role. Because well, I think I mean, they even said that, right? He's the worst one of, or like the, one of the three worst interior designers or something like that. Yes. <laughs> now, I just think maybe he is somebody because everybody else in this movie is somebody who is very famous. That's true. Yeah. Like all, even all the husbands are very famous actors. Yeah. Oh, then he probably is somebody, but I don't remember who. <laughs> well, and they have a lot of cameos at the end when they opened up their crisis center of uh, very famous outspoken feminist women like even Gloria Steinem was there mm-hmm. and it was kind of a good realism thing to make it seem like it was a real world and to really hammer in the message of like oh this is what we're going for look feminist yeah and you know what I think <sighs> I'm not going to get into this whole thing, but I think I really loved the movie because growing up, feminism meant something more. You know what I mean? Um, It actually felt empowering to watch the movie, especially being, you know, like, I don't know, a 12-year-old or something. (laughs) Um, it, It was... It did send a message to me as a kid, is I guess what I'm trying to say, of like you're a woman and you can do whatever you want and like you don't need a man to rule you even if it was all based on what I mean everything that they were doing was based on like getting back at their husbands and whatever in the end at least they got strong and they didn't need their husbands they didn't need men by their sides to accomplish shit basically yeah but ironically the only times that this movie pretty much passed the Bechdel test is when they were insulting other women and not talking about men (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but still, I think it was, I think for the time, it was a really good, like, women's power type thing. Yeah, I can understand that. I will say, though, about this movie, and even about last year, leave You Don't Own Me Alone. The Blow Monkeys were perfectly good. Dirty Dancing had that song. It was fine. Dirty Stop Dancing it. had You Don't Own Me? It's on the soundtrack. I had no the idea. The Blow Monkeys sang it. I don't know who the Blow Monkeys are. I didn't know that. Is it actually, like, in a scene, too? I'm imagining it probably has to be, right? Because it's on the soundtrack. That soundtrack was my freaking anthem when I was a kid. Okay, <laughs> but see, what's funny is you say that, and I agree. Whenever that remake of it or whatever came up, came out recently I guess last year like you said um I was like no 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 stop it fucking stop it because I've grown up singing this song and for me you don't own me is first wives club so that's funny because I've seen dirty dance I saw dirty dancing as a kid too but I don't remember it having to do Maybe somebody else saying you don't own me 10 years before dirty dancing and there's somebody out there pounding on their steering wheel like no fuck you <laughs> that is not a dirty dancing song you stop it has this song been around since humans have been around <laughs> yeah it's but to me it's so funny because like I just like it is if this song comes on and like when they remade it I was like oh first wife's club fuck you you're ruining the song um and that end scene that's why I said I hated the ending uh, no I didn't hate the ending that's not fair to say I just didn't need it I guess that like yay we opened this thing um but i love musicals but it didn't need to end as a musical oh i loved that it did also i'm going to mention another thing about that but that was my favorite scene growing up like when i would re-watch it as a kid i was like yes is it almost the end i can't wait 
but also going back to last week's episode where we talked about I think I do um did you notice the pants the white pants that Elise is wearing at the end yes it's the same as Eric's pants I swear to god (laughs) Uh, yeah and I feel like that just reinforces what I I said about how those are some special pants. Yeah. They're women's pants, apparently. No judgment. Mm. No, Elise would not have worn men's pants. (laughs) Eric might have worn women's pants, though. Power (laughs) soon. Yeah. It makes me love him more. (laughs) I'm also going to say something that I think is interesting that I never noticed before, just like the pants, because how would I have? I had never seen that movie before. Um, But when... um, I think it's when Brenda and Elise come back to Annie and they're like, no, we have to do this and blah, 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 whatever. And Annie is just kind of done with their shit and is like, no, we're awful. We're not doing anything good. And she says we're witches about the three of them. I had to look it up to make sure, but Hocus Pocus had come out three years before that. And Bette Midler is in Hocus Pocus, right? I'm not mistaken there. Oh, I'm trying to remember who the... Yeah, I, I should have looked that up. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Hocus Pocus is starring Beth Midler. I, I can't remember, but getting... it's also Kathy Najimi and Sarah Jessica Parker. It is, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It is Beth Midler, too. I am confirming that now. Um, and I just love that she calls them witches. And three years before that, Hocus Pocus had happened. And I think that is fucking amazing. And I never, ever, ever noticed that until this time. And I never would have noticed it. Yay! I've added something to this conversation. (laughs) Um, I do have a favorite quote, though, no matter how hard it was for me to, you know, choose just one, because I pretty much loved all the lines in this movie. Um, But it is when Elise and Brenda are fighting, and even though they both say some amazing things, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing was when Elise says, you think just because I'm a movie star I don't have feelings well you're wrong I do have feelings I'm an actress I have all of them and I just love and she was so dedicated to it too she was such she was an actress as she said that you know it was was so dramatic it really was (laughs) yeah now my favorite happened pretty much at the beginning of the movie Uh, I wrote it down right at the start thinking, oh, well, this will be my backup, but I'm sure they'll say something better than this. And then they didn't. (laughs) Elise is talking to the plastic surgeon about what can be done to fix her already beautiful face. (laughs) And he tells her, if I give you one more facelift, you're going to be able to blink your lips. (laughs) Yeah. So snarky. Yep. I, I, I just kind of love that these relationships between, like, even just the minor, the most minor of characters, like the plastic surgeon, were, the relationships they had with the main three wives were so, like, you could tell there was a big relationship there, even if you don't ever see anything else, because that snark happened, and clearly there was a relationship there. I mean, and also, Elise has had a, a lot of work done, so she's she's been seeing her plastic surgeon a lot. <laughs> well, Yeah, but I feel like that was kind of an issue with this movie. Mm. I loved the side characters. Mm. I loved him. I loved Ganilla and (laughs) Shelly. I didn't like the main three. Mm. Well, speaking of, and you already mentioned her, so I'll go ahead and say this. My absolute favorite character in the entire movie was Ganilla. As biased as I might be, because Dame Maggie Smith is the best woman in the world as far as I'm concerned um but her the character was I just love the dry kind of bitchy attitude she had and it was it was just so beautifully done um and yeah I agree I think I think I would have loved to see an entire movie of her um like based around her and then maybe some of Shelley included in that because no for me, it only works with Ganilla and Shelly together. I cannot have one favorite character mm. because alone, Ganilla is nothing. Mm. Like, she's just a bitchy old lady without a straight man to kind of balance her humor off of. Mm. 
Well, it would have been fun, actually, I think, if it was Adventures of Gunilla, Duarto, and Shelley. That might have been a really enjoyable movie to watch. I just don't need Duarto. <laughs> I think he was so dramatic when he was, <laughs> when he went to Shelley's house, and his whole thing there was my favorite thing about him. <laughs> it was just, it was so great. Uh, yeah, I feel like the movie needed him for that one plot, but I don't personally need him for anything he brought to the movie. But those two together yeah. you know, had the best chemistry, yeah. and it was the most fun part of the movie, them together. Yeah, it was. The way she, the way Gunilla looked at Shelly, that alone was amazing. <laughs> okay, now you're getting me into thinking it's a romance. Oh no, that's well, like a May December <laughs> lesbian love affair. Well, she's only like twelve, okay? We can't do that. <laughs> now the twelve thing is why Brenda was my favorite wife. Ooh, okay. Cause I too eat comfort food and it would be really hurt if my husband left me for a twelve year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> uh yeah. I think she wasn't my favorite, but I think Brenda was the most relatable of the three wives, for sure. She was the most kind of, like, down-to-earth, I guess. Um, and she just, the, the heartache, you could feel the heartache. She loved her husband so much. Which is hilarious, because I don't think anyone's ever called Bette Midler down-to-earth <laughs> in her life. No. Hey, maybe that just proves that she's a great actress because she played the role well. <laughs> hey, and that's not dragging her. She doesn't have to be down to earth. She's a star, but... Yeah, yeah. And she's a star from the times when we had divas and they actually meant something. And I think she's uh, almost a diva. <laughs> oh, God, I think she would hate me for saying almost. Um, <laughs> my favorite wife, though, was Elise. Um as horrible as she was at times, as much as she was that dramatic actress who thought she was better than everybody, basically, she always remained really, really true to herself. She wasn't ever going to try to be something else. She was never going to be like, oh, maybe I don't have to worry about my looks or maybe I can just go out and, you know, or like eat a bunch and gain weight and stuff. Like it was who she was. And regardless of if it was good or bad, she stayed true to that. And her like attention horror personality <laughs> remained true too even when she went to the when they went to the gay club and she was getting all this attention from a bunch of like butch lesbians and they loved her and she loved them because they made her feel so special and it was like oh I'm not a lesbian I'm she's probably not even bi and she's just like I don't care give me the attention I love it and like that's just who she is and I love that about her plus I thought she was really hilarious <laughs> Now, I loved that her getting better didn't necessarily mean that she had to change who she was. Mm -hmm. But that lesbian bar scene was real weird. <laughs> like, I get that Chris loves her mom. It's really sweet. Mm -hmm. But if I were in a lesbian club and my mommy showed up, I'd be horrified. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did she yeah. even know where Chris was? It was <laughs> 1997. She couldn't have just texted her like, hey, where are you lesbianing tonight? <laughs> Like, maybe it was the only lesbian we love in town, but she still had to know that's where she was going, and it's yeah. real weird. Yep, yep. I agree. Man, maybe they were just so close that she was like, now that you know, I'm just gonna tell you exactly where I'm at at all times. Still weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your final rating? I'm really curious. I'm, 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 I know I kind of threw you into this movie, and I already knew that you were gonna have, like, I didn't know, actually, how you were going to go with it, but I was expecting you to not love the movie too much. You were expecting me to have some opinions, and I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I gave it a 63. Like, I don't regret watching it, necessarily. I liked the soundtrack. Hmm. I liked the cast, mostly separately, not together. <laughs> but I did not really like the movie itself. Like, the plot, I did not like. Hmm. Okay. That's fair. I, I mean, a part of me is saying, how dare you? But no, that's fair. You're entitled to your own opinion. <laughs> um, I'll spit on your childhood again, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure you will. Well, and that's the thing, though, because I gave it a 95. 
And it's because of my childhood, probably more than anything else. I feel like if I hadn't grown up watching this, if I didn't have the memories with my mom and my sister when we used to watch this and all the all these like connections to the movie that I have, um, I probably as an adult having if I had watched it for the first time, um, I probably would have been like, oh, it was funny. It was good. And I love Goldie Hawn and I love um uh, Bette Midler so I would have loved the movie no matter what and obviously I love I've already said I've already I think I've already said enough about Dame Maggie Smith but I love her um so I would have enjoyed the movie fine but I don't think my rating would have been 95 it would have probably been closer to the 70s um but it it is my childhood <laughs> so and it's only not a hundred percent because I did have a few parts with it like the I didn't need the part where they're like building their business and all of that I feel like parts of it kind of dragged on a little bit here and there um their whole like yay feminism thing was not really that necessary I guess for me at the end but um the end scene the singing just all of that was it was brilliant so I only knocked off a few points well and it sounded like you were kind of apologetic about your rating at the beginning there. But I don't think every movie you give a high rating to has to be like a cinematic masterpiece. Mm. Sometimes you can give something a high rating just because like you had fun watching it or it was nostalgic or <laughs> any reason. Like not every movie has to be like Jurassic Park. Mm. Like it can be enough that the movie was fun and you had fun watching it. Like, there are 10 Fast and Furiouses for a reason. It's not because they're great cinema. It's because people enjoyed spending three hours watching shit blow up and muscles. Yeah, that's a good point, And thank goodness for that, because most of my favorite movies are just based on nostalgia, I think. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad that regardless of our different differing opinions on probably pretty much every movie we're going to review, um, you know, we get it. <laughs> I respect your shitty opinions. Hooray, and I respect yours with your fucking 60-whatever percent you gave to my amazing movie. (laughs) Okay, yeah, just because of that, I'm knocking it down to 51. (laughs) Ouch! You can't knock the movie because of me! (laughs) Keep going, I'll send it lower, Missy. I'm done, done. so what are we talking about next episode? (laughs) Next time, we're going to my pick movie that you can trash. Death to Smoochie from 2002, starring Robin Williams and Ed Helms. Ooh, that'll be interesting. All right, guys. In the meantime, check us out on social media. We are on Instagram, Millennials at the Movies. We're on Twitter, Millennials ATM. And my personal Twitter is Ami, that's A-M-I, underscore movies. And mine is Cantaloupe underscore eyes like the fruit. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.